Hello, and welcome to Hard Fried History, a hybrid history and comedy podcast run by two aspiring entertainers. Podcast is more of a rant, really. That have failed at almost everything else. I don't fail because I don't try, so there. We appreciate you checking us out, and if you want to see extra content, follow us on Instagram or give us a like on Facebook at Hard Fried History. Subscribe to us on YouTube or tell us we're full of shit on Twitter at, at HFH Podcast. If you like going that extra mile, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave us a a flattering a glowing review and of course tell your friends family and even people you don't like about us that's right again thank you for listening and without further ado the episode Welcome to Hard Fried History. How the fuck you doing? Thanks for listening, huh? Okay. All right. That's how you want to start that. That's fine. Hey. That's fine. We're not a good, we're not a good podcast. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. Today we're talking about the Lavender Scare, which we got a little disoriented as far as like the order that we wanted to do. the. It would have made more sense to do... I never had do- this order. You had, lavender you had scare <laughs> and then like harvey milk and then stone or lavender scare stonewall wyatt's harvey milk maybe listen to them out of order if this is the first one you're coming across that might I don't be think, fun i don't no one's ever cared no one's okay, ever cared that's about fair this thing that's fair you're professing to care that I'm people very, care about i'm very particular man, they will and they will they won't they don't care they that's won't just notice. you. You put that's the effort in, and then people don't notice it. That's yeah. how. That's how it works. All right. Yeah. Cool. This this whole podcast is a lot of our effort. Nobody knows it. So. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Story of my yeah. life, man. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. The source that we're looking at today is called. There's only one book written on it because it's like a footnote in history. But I was excited yeah. to come across it. It's called "The Lavender Scare: Cold War Persecution of Gays and Lesbians in the Federal Government" by David K. Johnson. Published yeah. in 2004, and we're going to begin the episode at the beginning, as you do, with Act 1, which I will title Whispers. Yeah. So, in the 1930s and 1940s, the population of D.C. grew fairly substantially during the New Deal years and into World War II. To give you an idea, the figures that, that Johnson gives is 700,000 in 1930, and then that doubles to 1.4 million in 1950, so over 20 years. And then there are a bunch of, like, women who are known as G-girls for government girls are joining the ranks of the State Department, the American State Department, essentially since the beginning of the Civil War, 1861, because all of a sudden all your men are off, like, fighting in the actual war, but somebody still needs to do the the bureaucratic stuff and so women start joining the ranks and it kind of establishes this, tra- this tradition of women working in the state department and the this starts during the civil war and then like yeah. climaxes in the 50s or and then it like... keeps on it keeps on okay. going i don't okay. i don't i don't know if it ever contracts back 
but I, I yeah. know the there were there were some really like misogynist things said about the women working in the State Department that that the State Department started to resemble like a femocracy is what what they called it. I mean, it's I mean it makes sense that women would try to it, it, those government jobs have a lot less. Well, there's discrimination, but from my yeah. understanding, government jobs have a lot, a little bit less discrimination than like private sector shit, which is like two di- two dudes. Who I guess it depends on who's who the president is. Yeah. It depends on a few things, you know. There's a there's a there's a bureaucracy like there's a I mean that's what people call like the deep state or whatever. Not really. Yeah. State, but like there's there's old government stuff that like this is just a bureaucracy. You're just a government worker. Those things are. They don't change no matter who's the president. <laughs> yeah. Just those, yeah, but then there's like the other more like presidential like appointment shit. So that's like mm-hmm. that can and, uh, and f- if, influence it shit. Yeah. And yeah. if the if the executive adopts a policy that says we're not gonna hire this type of person, which is basically the subject of this episode. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I mean they never said we're not going to hire. Maybe they did say we're not going to hire. They, they, they totally did. We'll, we'll get to it. We're, we'll get to that. Yeah, all right. Fine, so fine, there's fine. A bunch I don't of, know what the fuck I'm talking about. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of, a lot of gay men start to gravitate towards these roles and these jobs because they could like live comfortably as themselves while also being gainfully employed. And they're very specialized. And it's like clerical work, you know, and there's sort of this derision that comes in later. One of the guys that Johnson mentioned who, like, wrote a diary kind of cataloging what life was like, what, like, the gay subculture in Washington, D.C. was in the early 20th century through, like, 1910s to 1950s is this guy named Jeb Alexander. And then in D.C. itself, there's this place, Lafayette Park, is, like, a known gay spot. I'm sorry, no known spot for gay men to cruise and like meet meet each other you know and so naturally lafayette square pops up and it becomes a meeting place and then all these like especially after the repeal of prohibition in 1933 Mm -hmm. all these like clubs and restaurants and dance halls emerge Mm -hmm. and one of the spots was the uh Young Men's Christian Association, or YMCA, and they emerge around Lafayette Park and start catering to the subculture. Is is the YMCA a, a is that the name of a bar, or is it just the YMCA held dances? This is the this is the I don't I just it's, it was the Young Men's Christian Association, and I don't know, has, I don't yeah. think it's the name of a bar. I think it is like the the the. The association, man. The YMCA. That, you know? that is a good name for a bar. The yeah. young, men's, young men's Christian Association, but then you go in, it's just all hipster people. Nah, you gotta go you gotta pool. go you gotta go cheeky with it. Like young men's cool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry, move on. I don't Young I, Men's I, Cool never, Association. You can never That's name a bar. I don't want to. I don't want you to ever be in charge of anything. Cool. Where's a? We're at the YMCA. Oh, the Christian Center. No, the Cool Center. Okay. I used to think. I used to think Hard Fight History was a bad name for a podcast. Then you just tried to name something. Like it could be worse. It could have been worse. So FDR again, like bars start propping up after FDR repeal of prohibition, and then the New Deal years in World War II. There's like a flock of men and women to DC. Some are in government employee, uh, government positions employed by the federal government. There's just generally in these years like an increased visibility of homosexuals, homosexuality. 1940, scandal erupts. Right, FDR's third term. He's campaigning for re-election, and his undersecretary of state, this guy Sumner Wells, uh, 
Yeah. He is on a railroad heading to D.C. from Alabama because he was just campaigning in the South. And he gets apparently like really hammered and mm-hmm. propositions a black railroad porter mm-hmm. on the train to, uh, to see if they wanted to, uh, you know, fool around, do anything. Okay. And there's like a okay. big hush up. Uh, but like, yeah. wow, because, you know, it's in a fucking election year and you don't want yeah. something like this breaking and so they they yeah in this time and they shove it so far under the rug and it's like a big skeleton in in the closet that remains dormant for a while but does come back in later okay okay that makes sense that's all right well i mean yeah that's yeah yeah it's just it's just interesting it's always politicians they're always just being aggressive and creepy Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever era <laughs> it's kind of yeah it's a it's a through line that we can trace yeah june 1947 fast forwarding a little bit the senate appropriations committee passes a memo to secretary of state john marshall mm-hmm. warning of internal security risks within the u.s government referring not only to communists but also of quote the extensive employment of in highly classified positions of admitted homosexuals who are historically known to be security risks. Okay. What is that? Is, yeah, okay. Yeah, I I mean, I see what they're trying to get off. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That's kind of the the euphemistic term for, or that's like the pretext that's given for the most part is like, oh, well, if we, if it gets out that they're homosexuals to like the Soviet Union or our enemies or whomever, then all of a sudden they're going to know to target these people and turn them into double agents and we can't have that. Yeah, because like being openly gay can like... Destroy your... Yeah, you destroy your career. So like most people are like, oh... You know, somebody they they are they are vulnerable in that way because they're probably still in the closet, from my understanding of this time. Um, it I I don't know about because yeah. from what it made it seem in like the 30s and 40s and like particularly while FDR was president, I really can't speak on it. But the way Johnson made it seem is that it was like known. It was like a known subculture. Yeah. But nobody really cared or. I I that's the way it came across to me in Johnson's book. I don't know. Let me explain that but there was like a like a intensification or a a refocusing once you head into like the cold war then then it started to become an issue and there was more of a crackdown i think it was like i don't want to say tolerated but just not like not on the radar i don't really know secretary of state john marshall he devises a personnel security board to devise a series of security principles in regards to their hiring practices and, and, and for as far as excluding people concerns they're taught to exclude people who are considered like sexual perverts and this is part of their like broader loyalty slash security program if that you had two different classifications for people there were loyalty risks and there were security risks yeah Ooh, but though one of the biggest guys in the government is <laughs> yeah. in, in their own minds which you know today like yeah do whatever you want do big do what dog, you want. but in their yeah. own minds the, he uh, Jager Hoover was the biggest security risk yeah in which they, in, I they, mean, in the way that they think about it. yeah 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 it's it's really how he escaped how he dodged this massive bullet is incredible i mean he was I, I, 
Was he good think, at his job? He must no, have I, been. I don't think he dodged anything. I think I think what he had was a shotgun. <laughs> like uh, mm, he didn't yeah, dodge he, a bullet. Yeah. He had a shotgun. Uh-huh. He had <laughs> so, he had his hand on the button like really, yeah, you wanna yeah. you wanna fuck yeah. with me? Oh yeah, can, play play with me. It. We can do talk it. about my life. Mm-hmm. I will expose <laughs> everything about your life. <laughs> Let's do it. There's a story there, man. There's a there is something to be said for they how him, J. Edgar J. Edgar Hoover kept his shit under wraps for so long. Like there I mean, was they, somebody they was getting it. paid a, a heavy bribe in American taxpayers dollars. All right. I don't think he, again, I saw the movie. I don't think he bribed I think he just had leverage on everything. Like that thing. Yeah, the Jagger Jagger Hoover movie. I don't know. What's it called? I think it's called Hoover, if I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It's something. I think it's Leo. Leo, Does Leo play him? Leo DiCaprio? I don't know. Leonardo DiCaprio? I don't know. But it's basically like whenever a president would come in and they'd be like, all right, I'm a new president. It would just mm. there'd be like who uh, FBI would just put a file on your desk and it'd just mm. be like <laughs> All your they shit. know about you. Jesus. Yeah, like cool. <laughs> then but that's the thing right. about Nixon. Nixon comes in and he already he already is ready for the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well Nixon wore that shit on his sleeve. Like yeah, because he's so right. What do you yeah. want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. He's and like, the <laughs> the but, security board is overseen by this guy John Perufoy. Now, October 1st, 1947, you have the start of what's called the, quote-unquote, pervert elimination campaign by the U.S. Park Police in D.C. They're cracked down on gay cruising areas for loitering, solicitation, disorderly conduct, all these Mm -hmm. sort of, like, manufactured, trumped-up charges. And then in 1948, we mentioned this in the Rosenbergs episode, there is the House on American Activities Committee trial of Whitaker Chambers, who I think was, in fact, a Soviet spy, and then two prominent New Dealers, Alger Hiss and Harry Dexter White. Whitaker Chambers, this I didn't know. I learned since the last time we covered it. He admits to the FBI that he had been involved in a few homosexual relationships in mm-hmm. the 30s, which kind of, you know, there's a, there's a narrative developing here, right? 1948. Dr. Dr. Alfred Kinsey publishes The Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, which is this big, like, kind of scientific volume, and it it also verifies the narrative of American cultural decline by... It, like, attempted to give some statistics about, like, how many men were homosexuals how why they were like what happened in their childhoods and shit like that and just like how often uh the american male like masturbated and stuff like that they're very like revolting things to the puritanical ideals that were prevalent during this time you know what i mean i mean look whatever number he put for how many people masturbate Mm -hmm. too low big dog too low man (laughs) everybody's reading those statistics be like oh my god can you can you believe this and they jerked off like eight times in the morning you know yeah all your family members who are the male family are are mad i don't know how much women masturbate but i know men women master i don't i don't know anything about women i don't know and when whenever it comes to like (laughs) i don't know anything <laughs> also, not my area of expertise. Okay. Yeah. No. 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 
And then this this goes as far as to like push the issue to the forefront of like you know subverses and like homosexual recruitment and all these things that appear evil to American suburbia, right? And like Kinsey yeah. is a household name, right? This yeah. gets us into Act Two, which I will call Demagoguery Ascendant, right? Okay, all right, dude, chill out with these fucking names. No nah, man, I'm sorry. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show off when I can. Okay. No, this is. No, I mean, everybody hates you now. We just lost February three. of nineteen fifty. Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy mm-hmm. gives a speech to a Republican woman's group in Wheeling, West Virginia, saying yeah. that 205 card-carrying communists were working for the State Department. Right, And by that time, the Park Police had arrested about 200 alleged homosexuals. A little bit later, in, you know, he makes his claim, McCarthy does, and then reacting to that claim on February 20th, 1950, there's a Senate hearing. And McCarthy presents like 81 cases and kind of breaks it all down case by case, allegation by allegation. Two of the 81 are homosexuals, like known homosexuals. And then there's this kind of burgeoning association between like homosexuality and communism in that McCarthy is basically arguing that like, well... Uh, both are immoral and both are the result of mental perversion in that mm-hmm. you'd have to be demented in some way to fall into either of these groups. So if you are one, you're more likely to be the other. That's what McCarthy's arguing in essence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love when people just be making shit up, making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> like J Edgar Hoover was anything close to a communist, you know? Yeah. I mean, every like, I don't think that's how that works. No. Not, <laughs> just gonna, not, just gonna not, leave that there. I don't think that that's how that works. I don't think. <laughs> no. That's kind of crazy, man. <laughs> February 28th, 1950, Secretary of State Dean Acheson appears before the Senate. And so, you know, again, February 1950, McCarthy, this is kind of like the outbreak of the second Red Scare. And, but the, what becomes known as the Lavender Scare. It really, it, like, McCarthy recu- recuses himself a couple times, and there were even rumors that uh, McCarthy might have been in the closet as well, yeah. which kind of explains the recusement. But what yeah. the guys who kind of, one of the guys who spearheads the Lavender Scare is a guy known as Senator Stiles Bridges, and he's asking Dean Acheson, like, hey, what kind of constitutes a security risk? And Atchison says, "Well, if somebody has a known character defect, that would uh, yeah. that would that would qualify as a character defect." And Styles says, uh, "Such as homosexuality." And Atchison says, "That would be included." And then Deputy Undersecretary John Parafoy later clarifies on the stand. He says that 91 people that were considered security risks were forced out of the State Department, most of whom were homosexuals. And this causes like a public and private flurry. Like three people close to Truman write to him that people are kind of more concerned about homosexuals at this moment than they were about communists. So we got to do something about this, right? Yeah. And more than that, it's uses leverage right by the by the republicans because they've been out of the white house since 1932 right and yeah. you know fdr has been ascendant for nearly 
20 FDR, years. FDR yeah, and the New Truman. Deal and the Dems yeah. have been ascended for like 20 years or something now, right? Back and when so people now, used to do things for, 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 for people. For yeah, sure. man, when they except, used to experiment and, and try, you know? <laughs> except if those citizens were black. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> yes, yes, there is that. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> the repubs, or the so, this issue is used by Republicans generally as like ammunition against Democrats, and so there's yeah. calls for like quote unquote cleaning up of the the State Department, and like this is where they bring up the incident with Sumner Wells. 10 years ago where he propositioned oh, wow. the the railroad where they're like hey and so this is now used as a, a way to link the entire issue to fb fdr and mm -hmm. the new deal and just tar it with a black brush you know yeah this is this is kind of the official start of what is known as the lavender scare which is under the umbrella of the second red scare and the silver lining to this is that it at least like puts the existence of homosexuals into the, like the forefront of the nation you know people are aware that these people exist you know but their response is not good but yeah it's yeah, at no, least you know it takes time for these kind of things to to change right yeah i mean this is really you really find in the the one piece of light <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the darkest <laughs> cavern, cavernous cave of all time. Cavernous cave. You gotta find hope where you can, man. No, you don't. <laughs> Sometimes you just leave it to be fucked. <laughs> There's a kind of a growing argument that there uh, amongst the Republicans and even some Democrats as well, because it wasn't really like a, it wasn't a blatantly partisan issue. It's not like all Dems were good guys at this time yeah. or at any time for that matter. I There's repeat. Like, I repeat the whole New Deal for everybody except, except all the all, yeah. all the trades that involve black people. <laughs> yeah. There's the growing argument that there are like hives or nests of homosexuals, which composited a uh, they called it a, a homintern, like okay. a like a secret network of homosexuals that were like a like a deep state pulling all the wires and giving all the secrets to the Soviet Union and everything. All this also, all this bullshit. Also, now we're not only making up terms, we're just making up words, dog. Just making up words, man. <laughs> just trying to, be, only... trying to be cute with it, making up puns and shit. Don't, not, not here, all right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we, had, we had the chalk on the board. We had the string connected to the chalk on the board, and now mm -hmm. we're just putting a word in the middle of the chalk. We yep. just completely made up. Uh-huh. Just making shit up, man. <laughs> And so there's kind of this long-standing equation between communism and immoralism, and there are like periodic moral panics in American history and everywhere for that yeah. matter. And they thought at this time, like with the onset of the Lavender Scare, there are rumors in Soviet Russia that men and women were forced to register at free love bureaus. Or like they were so, they were so anti-family that you had to register at a free love bureau, and you know you could have sex with any other man or woman, which was all citizens who was registered at this this free love this bureau of free love. I I this is the thing I've heard not not that story. I don't Crazy. know about fucking free love, and fuck, I don't feel like there's any love in Moscow. <laughs> like, I'm surprised. You know what I mean? But um. The Free Love Bureau, chaired by by David Bowie. Right. Yeah, that's okay. All right, your obsession with David Bowie. I will. I love uh, David Bowie. Love, uh, <laughs> the uh, I have heard this is like I've heard this various times from various communist women. <laughs> they, you, there, you, the uh, sexual satisfaction, or 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 
orgasms, female, female orgasms, yep. are much higher in the Soviet Union at this time than yep. they are in the U.S. in the yep. America. Mm-hmm. I mean, socialism might make you come. Oh. Might make you come, man. That's a good. That's a good selling point. You know, that's the, you got to put that on a on a campaign flyer yeah. or something. You know, put that on a on a button. All right. Yeah, <laughs> makes you come. Well, yeah, it makes you come. Like it's a... <laughs> can't be that bad. You know, come on. <laughs> Which is kind of. The, the truth is that Stalin actually ordered, like, mass arrests of homosexuals and, yeah. and viewed homosexuality as a result of bourgeois decadence. So they're both, like, kind of pinning this on <laughs> on the other ideology. Oh, yeah. Like, no. nah, y'all are just both bigoted, <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> you, yeah, you'll, it's weird here. They'll be like, this, that is some, that is some, uh, that's like... You're mentally ill for all mm-hmm. these for these thoughts, mm-hmm. or da, da, da. and then you go to the other place. And they're like, "You are too rich. You're too this rich. Is a, this is a bourgeois thought. Uh huh. You've become desensitized. <laughs> this is to a all capitalist thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> March 1950, as part of here's another guy who is kind of spearheading the lavender scare, Senator yeah. Kenneth. Wary, who's a Republican from Nebraska, he describes himself not as a conservative, but as a fundamentalist. And he's got his investigation going on. He's talking to Lieutenant Roy Blick of the mm-hmm. D.C. Vice Squad. And yeah. Blick testifies that there are 5,000 homosexuals in the Capitol and alleges that 3,750 work in four the federal government and our mm-hmm. high okay. security risks, right? And his testimony is taken behind closed doors, but it leaks to the AP. Mm-hmm. They get a hold of it. It goes national. Leaks. Le- yeah, exactly. There's nothing. Let me tell you something about D.C. Nothing fucking leaks. Somebody just told somebody. Yeah. There's, <laughs> like, there's, there's no... You're just, you're just pulling the levers, you know? Flushing these the mo- turds. These motherfuckers didn't know there were weapons of, they thought that there were weapons of mass destruction. They didn't do enough journalistic work to figure uh, that out. You think they're getting the scoops <laughs> by going and by hacking in a dude's computer? Like, oh, we got the leak. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> Somebody just told doing, them. <laughs> they're, just a, they're just at a fucking coffee shop, man. Yeah. And then their yeah. contact approaches them and is like, can I can I get your cappuccino? You want a scone? Yeah, no strudel today? No strudel No today, strudel? Huh? Yeah. That's us. Like, oh, I, you know, my diabetes, I, I'm out of insulin. I need to, yeah. I need to, cut back on sugar and it's like oh well i got something uh i got something just as sweet okay huh i don't know how you i don't know how you made uh like leaking of federal information sound so boring i don't i'm just spinning a web man i'm just spinning a web you gotta you gotta chase chase the bit all right you gotta chase chase the dragon sometimes you chase it down the well (laughs) it doesn't Wary, Wary, Wary thought that the Soviets had a list of homosexuals in the District of Columbia and that this list had been compiled by Hitler as an espionage tool. And the Russians had gotten it from from Hitler because he compiled it. And, and, you know, just the two biggest foes of America at this time were actually like 
uh, indirectly cooperating with each other, and that's related to this other thing. Whatever. I, I like how all these dudes are letting their imaginations run just, just right to the oh, point crazy. before they start thinking about gay sex. <laughs> like, yes. Like they're going just far enough. Yep. <laughs> like, they're weaving. They're weaving a web to a be web. sure. Right. Hitler's been dead for like five years by this point. But somehow his ghost is still <laughs> is still <laughs> active. Right. Yeah. Still yeah. alive. Yeah. Query widens the lavender scare by recommending stricter punishments, uh, expansion of the vice squad, and like coordination between departments. All this stuff and. For the record, uh, if you haven't caught on, or if you didn't assume this, Blix figures are trash, right? Yeah. He just he admits later that he just he was just guessing. <laughs> yes, yeah, these dudes they don't know anything. <laughs> that's but that's a whole thing about the. Again, I will I I do not come on here to like, uh, but anyway, intentionally look or intentionally. Reinforce. Like, yeah, but the, the the thing about the cops, they show up to give you comfort that like something's gonna happen about the crime they just committed. They uh, have no ability to really no. stop crime. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 they they're just stand to put some. They like be in the area. That's a deterrent. But like yeah, they rarely know like uh-huh. when some shit's about to go down. What's a, they so, they they are a reactive force. Yeah, primarily, yeah. they they can do something after something has occurred. Yeah, but as far as prevention. The, that's why I forget about it, you know. <laughs> this whole fucking uh, doing uh, all the kind of Pride Month, we've been doing focus on different gay uh, events or events within the gay rights movement or people and people. Um, and like the only thing the police are just they're, they're the through line, the only thing that they've been mm-hmm. doing is just raiding parks, just raiding, raiding <laughs> in parks, individual cities. And then they graduate and they start yeah. raiding bars, yeah. Then they start raiding mm-hmm. bars. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't know. It doesn't take a fucking rocket scientist to plan a raid on a park in a bar. No, you just kind of, <laughs> like, you just kind of do it. Yeah, you just kind of. It's a raid. There's no <laughs> formula to a fucking raid. Just mm-hmm. go. There. <laughs> just do it, man. Yeah. Nike. Just yeah. Okay. Sorry, right, I don't want. I don't be dragon Nike. I don't want to. I don't want to be part of that Nike. That Nike family. Doctor Alfred Kinsey. The guy who wrote the book we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. he estimates that like 37% of adult men had had a homosexual experience at some point, which makes them a security risk, which given the population of D.C., that would mean about 500,000 people, okay. employees, were potential security risk. And then Kinsey kind of backs off of this. He eventually says sometime else. I was it wasn't really clear on this. I wasn't clear on this. Four percent of adult men were homosexuals, which would implicate fifty six thousand seven hundred and eighty seven federal employees. And then behind all this is sort of the a a classist thing where there's sort of a, a rejection and a hostility towards like intellectualism and the specialization of these these quote unquote eggheaded bureaucrats mm-hmm. and that like a lot of a lot of the guys like the G girls and like gay men working in the State Department of like they were specialized and you know dealing with a bureaucracy you have to know the forms and the procedures and all that sort of stuff and these people obviously know their shit. And so yeah. now, all of a sudden, you've got this this rage, rage at the system because they're like, ah, the reason my appropriations bill didn't pass is because I didn't have the right form because he told me I didn't have the right form. Okay. Get him out, right. you know. This is just you being angry. 
I just paid taxes. Let me. We <laughs> we no, just that. paid taxes. That's okay, fine. And that's fine. I did it also. Yeah. Fuck no. That. You guys, okay. Yeah. No. I. Okay. But yeah, I know. Do you want me to put how much I know you guys are? You know. Let's move on. <laughs> let's not. I don't yeah, want to. I don't want to. Because I I have an understanding. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna more you're gonna, than expected. I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll you're gonna, say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It is. It is a lot. It's craziness. Yeah. Well, I, I, maybe I hope I I hope it's going. I trust it's going to uh, good good programs. No, me. it's going to kill children in Yemen. Somebody. Yeah, that's what I thought, man. Some, all some all, all I, we just bit, we just subsidized tiny, about tiny, tiny about four rockets. I would estimate. No, those rockets cost more than that. Unless they cost less. Trust me. What do you? Uh, you don't have you don't have I mean, enough money. You, you don't have enough money. You got our figures. Come on, man. Yeah, no, I do. I, I understand. Oh, okay. I understand the profit the profit margin. No, you don't. You know why? Because I, I just got Norton Norton Security today. This podcast brought to you by Norton, right? Okay. Well, it's not. So, <laughs> so let's continue the podcast. <laughs> and Huawei's uh, investigation. Yeah. It convinces the Senate of the need to launch like a full-scale congressional investigation into homosexuals in the federal government. So spring 1950, the baton is passed to Senator Huey Long, who I think he was also like, I was just reading about him in, in the New Deal or helping FDR pass stuff in 1933. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's like an old North Carolinian, Democratic, like white supremacist politician. Yeah. yeah. And he passed, he kind of like, Shoes most of the the work off to f- this guy Francis Flanagan, and then Stephen Spingarn is the White House liaison, and they're conducting their hearings investigation in private. And Flanagan wanted to establish a central card index mm-hmm. of American citizens suspected of homosexuality, but his request is denied. Yeah, which would be straight up like I don't know. Not good. Like, it's very good close to fascism. Just like, we have these people, we know, that, the, but, I mean, they already have the lists. This could stop with for other but, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. But, I mean, like, I think they don't have a fucking list yeah. of, like, like, they can't just pull up our profiles. Yeah, or <laughs> at, Google at search history and just be like, yeah. oh, you guys are weird. And just be like, I oh, bought no. a lot of books on Saudi Arabia. I'm yeah, on man. I, yeah, oof, <laughs> yep. <laughs> just look at my Amazon account. And for just, sure. Just listen to the podcast and be like, oh, yes. Yeah, put these subversive. guys on a list. <laughs> Everybody's on a list. You get a list. You get a list. You get a list. We all get Everybody a list. Everybody gets a list. <laughs> no bumps on this list, big dog. No, they're bumps. They're bumps everywhere. They're, they're bumps. bumps in life. Okay. So I'm not going to abide by this open micro aesthetic. <laughs> in the, they have medical testimony for these investigations. There's Surgeon General Leonard A. Scheele. He suggests during his testimonial that gender and sexuality are actually fluid. Like nobody's a hundred percent straight or a hundred percent gay or lesbian or whatever. It's kind of uh, it's a little more complex than that. And then right? these dudes had this, the, the most homophobic reaction to that. Uh-huh. I'm all I'm all man over here. Oh, what are you talking about? No, I've never. Nope, not I've never thought about. And I'm not even thinking about it right now. Now that you yeah. put the thought in my head, you know, I'm not. No, that's how stalwart my my resolve is my steely straight man resolve Muh. right i i'm as straight as possible can be what mm-hmm. yeah i did pick out this t this this tweed jacket to, to match this bow tie to match this bow tie <laughs> yes what they a, are magenta what is your <laughs> what, what what about it yeah, yeah, what yes about? i am a little bit particular about uh, how it fits around my shoulders because i want to make sure that i have i seem like i have broader 
brought her shoulders, and I really wish that somebody would invent shoulder pads for me so I could yeah. seem like more of a mask, the masculine macho man that I that I that I really am. Okay. <sighs> okay. They say. Sheil. Sheil says in the investigation, he kind of refutes the idea that like gay people are, believe it or not, uh, different. He refutes yeah. this idea and he says homosexuality is actually kind of no like predicting factor. It's like yeah, prevalent yeah. across a wide range of IQs and body types, like not necessarily weaker, dumber than straight yeah. people. It kind of just. They're kind of just people, bro. Like, yeah, chill out, you know. And then this guy George Reigns, he's a, a, a form. What a hot take in nineteen. What a hot take in nineteen fifty <laughs> for real, yeah, all the way back yeah. then. We'll talk about what happens to the results of this uh, this query here, but there's yeah, a reason a, it fucking <laughs> takes a while they, to get out. He blew their fucking minds in nineteen. <laughs> Blowing their mind grapes, man. Just yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. I never fucking thought about that, man. George Raines, who's a former chief of psychiatry at Bethesda Naval Hospital, he also testifies, and he suggests that the government was creating a larger security risk by excluding homosexuals in that if they took the reverse course, the federal government could just announce, like, a give a fucking statement or a memo or press release, whatever, and just say, like, hey... We're okay with this. And then that will trickle down to the general public, and the public yeah. will be like, oh, well, this is okay. This is actually nothing to worry about. And then you nullify the potential for a homosexual yeah. person being blackmailed at all. And then I wanted to yeah. bring this up. I remember reading it, but I didn't get it in the outline. During one of these investigations, they actually have, I think he was like a, I'm not sure who it was, but he was, he was gay, is gay. I think he's dead, was gay. No. And he's like also involved in intelligence or whatever, and they're they're querying him as well. And yeah. he says they they his uh the the cross interrogator asks yeah. him. They say to him, if you were approached by a Soviet and they said, "Hey, we know you're homosexual. We're gonna blackmail you." What would your response be? And he says, the gay man says, "I would tell my superior and offer to be." a triple agent and that there's a utility that <laughs> you can twist this into yeah. like, listen, I'm yeah. now more a liability. I'm sorry. I'm an asset, not a liability. Okay. I mean, I, I get, I get what you're trying to say, but I get, I get, that's a good plan. But at the same time, I just revoke the idea of triple agents. <laughs> just revoke the idea of just triple A. No, you, you. I got you, but you think you got me, but then I got you. It's like but I got you, man. Which actually is a real like you like getting to like the kind of footnotes of Cold War like spy history. Reading one of those fucking books, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there is a lot of that shit going on. I, you think I have you, you think you have me, but in reality, I have you. I'm just feeding you disinformation, man. I'm just, yeah. I'm just flushing turds. That's all I'm doing, bro. I came here. I came here. You think I'm looking for these mm -hmm. weapons, but I'm mm -hmm. actually looking for information about this thing you just gave me, and I've turned you into an asset, and you don't yep. even know. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. I mean, it's like, effective. It's an effective strategy, you know. Yeah, man. And there's kind of a a double edged sword to the whole, the whole thing in that the State Department and Truman's administration more broadly, it's like a double-edged sword, like I said, because if they got rid of them, 
they got rid of the homosexuals working in the State Department, they would admit that gay people had been working for them in the first place and lend legitimacy to the the paranoia and the the conspiratorial mindset. And if they didn't, then, oh, well, they're protecting them. And that's also not what we want them to do. So, you know, they're allowing this security risk to... And they're not dealing with it. They're not protecting national security, moreover, right? This is what we call a homophobic catch-22. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a homophobic catch-22 situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's nothing else to say about that. I think that's not, a pretty good description not, yeah. of what the fuck they call yeah. Atchison, he defends the State Department, but also demands more, like, rigorous investigations into whom they hired and like they cross-reference applicants with the supposed master list of alleged mm-hmm. homosexuals and like urge people to like watch each other you know like watch the mannerisms and speech patterns and hobbies of your co-workers and if you think that something might be uh, off according to our standards okay report them right okay let, let us know and so there's kind of this like cloud of paranoia that descends over the gay community, which, again, from the way Johnson made it seem or the way I interpreted what Johnson said, it seemed not thriving, but at least growing in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah. So December 1950, uh, results of this investigation, like Huey Long investigation, I believe becomes December 1950, the Hoey Report, and they, that, like, um, the medical testimony given by Scheele and Reigns is suggesting that, you know, these things kind of exist on a, on a spectrum uh, is entirely ignored, and they still suggest that, that homosexuals are security risks. A separate report called the Crittenden Report, which is, re- I think, released shortly after, and it basically refutes the Hoey Report, but it is suppressed by the government until 1976. Yeah. Johnson didn't mention this, but just given the year and what we've covered before, I would guess that that would be the church committee hearings and investigation that might have unveiled the Crittenden report. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, church, church committee, church committee just wild. Everything. We need to do an episode on the church committee. Everything just goes all, back to the church all the secrets. Yeah, <laughs> that, that came and that's out, like you know? literally like not most of them. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the, the small fraction that they're like, look, this is going to come out. It's a, yeah. Yeah, let's just let's just get in front of what we're already behind. I yeah. Guess. Getting into Act Act Three, third and final act called Changing Times, nineteen fifty two, presidential election. The Republican campaign slogan is "Let's Clean House," okay. and behind the presidential campaign between Dwight Eisenhower and Adlai Stevenson, because Truman decided that he wasn't going to try for another third term, which mm-hmm. I doubt he could have won anyway. There are allegations that Adlai Stevenson had been arrested prior to the election for a homosexual offense, and McCarthy was going to attack the Stevenson campaign for being full of quote-unquote pinks, punks, and pansies until the Dems threatened to publicize news that Eisenhower was planning on divorcing his wife, Mammy, so he could marry his secretary, Kay Summersby. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that Eisenhower was a dog. You know, I mean, he's a man, but also... Still still throwing that thing around. Still throwing that old, limp... Thing, thing, shaggy thing, thing. thing. For, for, for our listeners under 18, that thing, 
<laughs> that thing. That it's very, it's very, it's very baggy. Raggedy, <laughs> saggy. Okay, I don't know why you keep trying to tag organ. Leave it alone. Oh no, I yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That I mean, sh- shriveled. Okay, all right. No, I'm cutting this shrimpy. off. I'm done. We're done here. We're done here. Move on to the next. No, this is not the part you tag. <laughs> not the part you tag. All right. Yeah, man. People, people yeah. War scar. No, 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 no. Battle I'm gonna, hardened. I'm going to mute all of this. I'm going to mute all of this. Come on. You're, you're, <laughs> no listeners by He's now. Nobody, if they've turned off this podcast, they've moved on. Because you want to tag up my dick joke for fucking two minutes. Eisenhower. How dare you? Nope, nope. I'm, I'm about to junk. mute you. I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute you. Let's okay, I'm on. done. I'm done. For I'm two done. minutes. This is what you decide to spend your time on. You're going to look back what you've lived your life I'm and be good. like, I wasted my time doing dick think, jokes. I didn't think we'd get here. but No, you got us here. We, we didn't get here. I was, I was, I said something. <laughs> it was a good bit. I was ready to move on. I accepted a few tags, but then you just kept going. And it was weird. <laughs> you say I had that. to run with it, man. You never know oh. where where you'll be taken. All right, nah, there's a sort of spiritual a... quality to comedy. We're, we're in a ditch right. right now. We're in a ditch right now. <laughs> okay. March 1953, Eisenhower's inaugurated announced that they would fire a quote unquote moral deviant within the government every three days. And what kind of epitomizes this new way of thinking is Executive Order 10450 outlines character qualities people could potentially be fired for including the uh, habitual use of intoxicants to excess drug addiction and sexual perversion emphasis on sexual perversion and then i think johnson mentioned that this is the first time that the words coming from the executive are like codified you know it's no longer congressional we've moved on the hearings now it's like executive is saying we're on board the State Department Bureau of Security and Counselor Affairs opens up the quote-unquote miscellaneous M unit, which investigates cases of moral deviancy, and most of their cases have to do with homosexuality. They're told to watch for any unusual traits of speech, appearance, and mannerisms, and in all fairness, uh, David Johnson, he did mention in the lavender scare that like eisenhower in cabinet meetings a couple times advocated transferring people who were deemed security risks to like non-sensitive posts so he wasn't all about the firing he but he was like let's just transfer them out which i mean how many times did they really take that advice or they his second i think it was the secretary of war charles wilson who was like nope we got to do it yeah no i mean look 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 did it before. We, when, when you're the leader, you're you get in trouble for everything. Yeah. None of your yeah. And it also just might be like, okay, well, why do you even need to demote them? You know, what's the yeah. issue here? It's like. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, you don't get like the, 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 what's that called? When you're just like, I, I tried. You don't get that fucking yeah. weak ass virtue signal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you, dog. <laughs> 1954. Anthony Lewis and the in the Washington Daily News, he writes that the policies of the U.S. federal government towards homosexuals are creating an environment where blackmail could potentially flourish, and it's having yeah. the their policy is having the opposite effect. It, it's yeah. it's inviting blackmail. It's not suppressing it. Right. It's yeah. you know for the Soviet Union, it would become almost a self fulfilling prophecy where Soviet Union, if you're like a KGB agent, and you're like they are very worried about this, right? Yeah. And then you have an angle. Yeah. September. 
Oh, uh, wait, oh, wait, sorry. So getting into like the, the end analysis from January of 1947 to November of 1950, there are around 400 homosexuals fired from the federal government. And then from yeah. May of 1953 to June of 1955, there's around 800 people fired. I do want to mention uh, a few outliers. September of 1960... There's yeah. an NSA analysis, this guy Burton F. Mitchell and William H. Martin. They both defect to the Soviet Union. Johnson said it was because they were concerned about, like, U-2 spy planes starting a war. And the evidence that they were homosexuals is kind of scant or it's not really validated, but I wanted to mention yeah. it. And then um, 1985. There's a Senate Committee on Government Operations. It reviews known cases of blackmail and found that none involved homosexuality or the exploitation of homosexuality or homosexuals. I mean, which is, I mean, which is like, again, they created more of a bigger problem than they, yeah, by making it like yeah. a thing. Mountain out and, of a molehill, man. Yeah. And, and I mean, and honestly, like you, the dude who's like, let's just make index cards of all mm -hmm. the all the gay or homosexual people mm -hmm. really seems like that's more of a security risk yeah. the cards with yeah. all the An people that could possibly be, be yeah. blackmailed <laughs> like, let's just keep yeah. this in one location and let's uh -huh. kind of unlock it every now and mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that guy's a fucking kgb agent <laughs> yeah for real that's a good point and there's like uh closing out like there's pushback throughout the yeah. Lavender Scare. Harry Hayes of California, he forms the Manichene Society, I believe, in the late 40s. He's got this friend, Bill Lewis, and Bill Lewis has this friend, Chuck, uh, last name is not specified, who worked in D.C. all the time. And, like, Hayes is California, but California gets a lot of federal appropriations to, like, build ships and stuff, and it's kind of like yeah. a second uh, merging D.C., whatever. And yeah. Chuck tells Hayes of what's going on in D.C., like all the firings and the lavender scare going on, and it, get, it gets Hayes thinking, which is one of the reasons why he forms the Mattachine Society. 1956, Buell Dwight Huggins founds the Washington branch of the Mattachine Society, and they're, like, more aggressive, more militant, more about, like, you know, they distribute a newsletter and are you know, advocating for their rights and beliefs and whatnot, but it fizzles yeah. in the late 1950s because Huggins moves away and he was kind of like the central pillar holding it all together. But around the time he moves is when astronomer Frank Comedy arrives in D.C. coming back from Hawaii. He was an astronomer and the U.S. perceives itself as being behind in the space race because Sputnik was just launched and all this stuff. And so, mm -hmm. you know, he's there's a demand for astronomers. He comes back to D.C. He's fired in December of 57 for supposedly having, like, falsified a federal application because yeah. he classified uh, lewd in indecent acts as disorderly conduct because he had a, a prior arrest in the key terminal area of San Francisco for, you know, I guess they would call it, like, solicitation or loitering or, you know, they called it lewd and indecent act, whatever. You know, they're just I, trumping I, up a charge. Just to go back a little bit, I just love that there was a time when astronomers were needed in any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the world. I mean, I wouldn't like to live in this world. Sucks, but yeah. <laughs> Let's look at the stars, big dog. They're heavy in demand, man. Because heavy in demand. A, I don't really know why. Let me let me be real. <laughs> 
And so that arrest in San Francisco of Comedy's arrest gets forwarded to the FBI in D.C., and then they interrogate him once he gets back to D.C. And then throughout the late 50s and, again, throughout the 60s, moreover, Comedy is like the main guy in charge of building up the Mattachine Society of Washington or the MSW, and it like goes on to work with the ACLU, and they're, they're really not letting politicians or heterosexuals talk about the gay community. They're emphasizing the fact that they can also vote, and yeah. comedy becomes kind of like the face of the movement in D.C. and encourages other people to, like, get involved and get out and like don't let anybody else speak on your behalf we have to speak on our own behalf you know they're Mm -hmm. getting attention to a disenfranchised group and fighting for recognition or equality and the reason i wanted to end it here is because you can make the argument and i think i think the causality holds true that he probably wouldn't have built up the msw without the lavender scare yeah, but let's not. <laughs> that doesn't justify it. It's yeah, supply and demand, you know? It's yeah, like we're yeah. being persecuted. We need to organize. Yeah, we need let's to get not involved, be like... And this is kind of what, what springboards it. That's not to say that the lavender scare was a good thing. That's yeah, that's the silver lining, right? Is yeah, that... uh, I, yeah I, I don't want to do silver linings like that because then we go. <laughs> then that's a, it's, a, it's a skip, a hop, and a leap, and then you're in territory where, like, look, we wouldn't have jazz if there was no slavery. <laughs> like, <sighs> I'm good. I'm good on that vibe. So it's. <laughs> Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a skip and a jump yeah. <laughs> to that line. I had to find some some kind of hope, right? Some yeah, kinda, yeah, I mean, nah, some kind of some kind of goodness out of out of all the the terror, nah, and man, the horror, the, and the fear. No, nah, they're the persecuted and oppressed, and you know, it's fucked up. But you know, things are a little bit better. Now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know, still striving for an equal society, and that's what's important. And. Guys, that's been our episode on the Lavender Scare. We want to thank you for listening with us. We that was this was a great episode. That was an interesting episode, interesting part of history that I didn't know anything yeah, about. Yeah, man, I I like just stumbled across it while reading something mm-hmm. else, and we still mm-hmm. had a slot open, and I was just like, "Nah, that's it." And I looked dank, to see dank. if the book was available, and I was like, "There's a book on it. I'm gonna read it." Dank, Sounds dank. cool, you know. Okay, that was it. Was cool, man. Interesting. Which is where the, where the, the Red Scare kind of mm-hmm. dovetailed into this lavender. Yeah, scare. a footnote of the Red Scare. Yeah, yeah. A branch okay. of the Red Scare. Branch, branch. Um, what do we have next? Who are we doing next week? Next week we are taking a break from American history. Taking a break from. We're doing a lot of it. We're doing a lot of it. We're doing a lot of it. Going, <laughs> going hard. We're going to ancient. Greece. Okay. To examine the life of a a one of the first known female writers, the poet Sappho. Okay. All right, man. Sounds interesting. Sounds like we're gonna have a good time. You guys should come back and see us next time. But in the mm-hmm. meantime, in the meantime, mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. should do between this week and next week, you should like, share, follow mm-hmm. all of our pages, love all of our stuff, send it to your friends. Um, you can find us at Hard Fried History on on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, at you can find us at Hard Fried History on Instagram and Facebook. HFH Podcast on Twitter. That's going to be at HFH Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can find us on YouTube at Hard Fried History. Uh, man, we're everywhere. You can find me at Joshua B. Stokes on Instagram and Twitter and Joshua Stokes on Facebook. Henry, where can they find you at? I'm just Henry Price on Facebook and just Henry E. Price on IG. 
again, guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. Love you. Peace. Peace.